Hey everyone, it's Will Johnston with the MicroLife Institute and we've got a great show for today, but before I get into that, I just wanna give you a quick heads up that we are going to be putting together an accessory dwelling unit tour and carriage house tour in the next couple of months. So stay tuned, be on the lookout for uh, information about that awesome event. All right, without further ado, let's get into our topic today. Um, we actually have a great guest. Um, her name's Anna Calloway, and she is a real estate investor and house hacker. So, Anna, welcome. Hi. All right, so how did you, how did you get here? Like, I know where here is, but like to you, and I say that, I know you've had such a fascinating journey. So, you know, how did you become the house hacking real estate investor person that you are? Well, I grew up with parents that were real estate investors. So I spent my whole life looking at investment properties, checking on tenants, that whole thing. And I swore I never wanted to do that full time. And I worked in a corporate job for 10 years that I loved. And I was able to engage with the community in such a great way, uh, working for a, a foundation, a ph the philanthropic arm of the company. And I was doing a little investing on the side. And I had the opportunity to focus on real estate full time after about 10 years in my corporate job and I jumped in and haven't looked back. So actually, you know, it's really interesting when I hear your story because we have a lot of uh, things in common because we were both in the corporate world. Um, we both were in heavily involved in the community with our jobs, but then also there's that moment where you just realize, I can or we can do so much more. And I think that's what's actually why we're sitting here today because we realized there was a lot of similarities in with what you're going to talk about and the tiny house movement and the micro living movement. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was the, the best, I've had the best of both worlds now because I'm still able to be engaged with the community, um, on my own while running my own business. Perfect. And so, all right. So the tiny house movement, like we're all interested in a lot of things, but when it, when you narrow down the quote unquote buckets of why people are interested in this movement, obviously they want to save money. They want more time and they want more freedom. And also you could probably throw on the sustainability, the sustainable footprint of this thing. So people are looking for ways to guess, be better people, have more money and have more time. So what, for, for you, obviously, of those buckets, what relates to you in this, uh, this podcast of house hacking? I mean, I think all of those relate to me. I, I love the concept. I, I personally don't live in a tiny home, but um, I love the idea of a tiny home, and I love the idea of having less stuff. And um, I love the idea of freedom and obviously uh, treading lightly on the world in terms of having less stuff, using less resources, um, and also the, the freedom of having, I always tell people when you get a bigger house, it's a, not only a bigger mortgage, but it's a bigger utility bill and maintenance. Maintenance. Oh my gosh. Everything adds up. And, um, painting alone, yeah. <laughs> just choosing a different paint color. You're spending thousands of dollars. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It can quickly snowball into a lot more than you probably want to do. So but actually, funny story about Anna, before we actually became friends' friends, I was, uh, I was over here for a function, and um, someone said, by the way, 
Anna has a carriage house in her backyard that they rent out for yeah. it to a tenant. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is cool. And so uh, I know we've talked about it. You sent me pictures of it because I almost debated about living there. And then yeah. I, I found another spot. But um, how has that been? Yeah, it's been great. Um, when we bought, we live in Grant Park and we have a carriage house, which is a tiny house for all intents and purposes. And um, we rented out when we bought the house. There was a tenant who lived there five years. Uh, I always joke she came with the house. And when she moved out, we had a, a friend move in for about a year. And now we have a couple that lives there and they're great. Um, it's like it's like a little community. That's awesome. So, all right. So, today's topic. Yes. We're talking about house hacking. Yes. House hacking. <laughs> what is house hacking? Well, I didn't invent the term. There are a lot of people who want to take credit for that term. Um, but it's the idea of buying a multifamily property, a duplex, triplex, um, a house with a carriage house, or building a carriage house mm -hmm. if you're allowed to do so, <clears throat> and renting out uh, a, renting out that property, or if it's a duplex or a triplex, renting out the apartments. And then, so, all right, so who's interested in doing this? I mean, so it's, again, it's a way to bring financial freedom, yeah. bring more time, and, and basically you're an in-house business. Right. So... You know, just like the tiny house movement, it's it's everyone under the sun. You know, right. people who are wanting to live this lifestyle and also build this lifestyle. Right. You know, from 18 to 85. And so a lot of people want to be real estate investors. They've heard of people buying properties and being landlords. Uh, and house hacking is a great way to dip your toe into that world. Um, you can buy property and then have someone paying either a large portion of your mortgage or in some <clears throat> cases your entire mortgage and you get to live for free. And then you can always move somewhere else. Collectively free or, right. or you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. whatever that word is. I'm quingering right now, people. Yes, yes, yes. Because, you know, to live for nothing free. Nothing is free. I yeah, nothing, nothing is free, but it's, yeah, yeah. it's living better that, that someone else is paying your mortgage, so on and so forth. Right. And, and you know, there is a little work involved in, in being a landlord, as anyone who's been a landlord will tell you. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, being a landlord, you know, that, that comes with responsibility. So, because... Essentially, whether you're renting either, I mean, there's different scenarios for house hacking. You can either A, live in the small mm -hmm. accessory dwelling unit, carriage house, so on and so forth, and rent out the big house, or you can rent out the small right. house. So either way, there's a client you know, relationship right. that has to be started. So it's the idea of, you know, again, making sure the property is up to code standards. It's well painted, I, right. I guess, decorated, or I guess that's on them, but there we go. All right. So yeah, and anyone who's been a landlord or even talked to a landlord or ever even Googled investment properties will hear, hear the horror stories of what can go wrong. Um, and I think if you have a duplex or an accessory dwelling unit, carriage house, you're still, you know, you have to plan for those things. And you can't just spend all your money and hope for the best because there's still repairs, just like homeownership. Um, and I think you hear more of those horror stories with investment properties because people get a little overstretched. Right. The good thing about house hacking is that you're still 
responsible for your mortgage. And if you don't have a tenant, hopefully you're not over so stretched that you can't pay your own bills. Right. So, okay. So t- before we get into this, just a little timeout and update you, um, Atlanta, uh, the city of Atlanta residents. So right now, or actually last year, legislation was passed that you are able to build a detached accessory dwelling unit, i.e. a tiny house in your backyard. If you are in an R5 zoned lot. Now R5 means duplex. Now, you do need to look up the specifics because um, you have to live in one of the homes. So you it can't just be an investment property in that you buy one lot and build the accessory dwelling unit and rent both. You are not able to do that yet. So right now you would have to personally live in one of the dwelling units. Um, again, R5 lots and R5 zones in Atlanta are typically the older neighborhoods, i.e. that's why we're in Grant Park today. Um, Old Fourth Ward, uh, you've got... Candler Park, Inman Park. There are a lot of accessory dwelling units and carriage houses grandfathered into those areas. Usually the older the neighborhood, they're gonna have duplexes, triplexes, and quadplexes. So just a little note on that, you know, education-wise, if you need more resources, please go to tinyhouseatlanta.com under resources and you can help, uh, you can understand what you can do where. So back to house hacking. Um, what? Let's let's talk positives and negatives. Obviously, you know, positive. You you could quote unquote live for free. You know, right. get your mortgage and, paid and, for. And a lot of people don't live for free. It's right. more a subsidy. Um, that's a great benefit, of course. That's the obvious one. Another benefit is that you can get a conventional loan. Um, to become a real estate investor, you're typically buying an investment property. Which to get a loan for that, if you're not paying cash. Uh, would cost you at least 20% down. Um, and with an, with a house hacking situation, you can get a lo- conventional loan with as little as 3% down, um, depending on what you qualify for. So it's an opportunity to get into the real estate investment world without a huge uh, financial commitment. Gotcha. What are, are, there, are there any other positives? I mean, obviously, you know, ob- it's like, I guess... For people who are thinking of this, it gives you a business. You know, you have to look at it, at it and treat it like a business. So there is, I guess, I, I don't know, I don't want to say what, not pressure, but I guess the commitment to your business right. to make sure it runs successfully. Right. right. I mean, you have to plan for the unexpected. You have to plan for vacancy. You have to plan for repairs. Um, it, you know, another be- uh, benefit is that, I'm, and I'm not a CPA, don't, don't take any tax advice. Won't at me. all. Won't at all. <clears throat> but you talk to your CPA, but you can also depreciate the asset and treat the whole, I mean, it is a business. So, um, there's tax advantages to owning real estate as an investor. And those benefits are also uh, reflected when you house hack. Um, so what, okay. We, we talked pauses. Pauses seem more like, um, you know, financial gains and just knowledge and, and, um, you know, uh, I guess, are there any other pauses, but before we go on to, uh, some negatives? Yeah. I mean, the other thing I'll mention is that we talk about house hacking with duplexes, carriage houses, accessory dwelling units, but also people can house hack by Airbnb. Mm. So there are a lot of people I know. Ah, yes. Airbnb. Yeah. And in, in Georgia and Atlanta, you can Airbnb your primary residence. You're not supposed to buy investment properties to Airbnb purely. Um, but if it's your own residence and you have a friend that you can stay with, or in one of my good friends case, 
they stay at his grandmother's house and they Airbnb their house consecutively. I mean, they've put on an addition thanks to Airbnb. It subsidizes, almost pays for their mortgage. So there's lots of opportunity there. Well, and let's, let's talk about Airbnb, you know, because I have a, uh, I, I love what Airbnb has done, but I also hate what Airbnb has done sometimes because, you know, I love being able to stay like recently I, I traveled abroad and was able to stay at this cool spot. But then I realized those spots actually should be for people who need to live in the city. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of, it's messing with prices, but also gives so much opportunity to so many yeah. people. And, and that's where a lot of the regulation on Airbnb is starting to happen because people want a community and it's hard to feel like you live in a community when it's just always churning with yeah. different people wanting to be a yeah. tourist. Yeah. Like Very New fascinating. New Orleans has had a big problem with that because it's such a party culture yeah. and you've got these groups of tourists that come in and stay in these homes and there's not a lot of a community feel in some of the neighborhoods. That, you know, that will be another, uh, folks, another topic for conversation, intentional community and what community means to us now, because honestly it's changed, you know, just like Anna said with Airbnb and never not getting to know your neighbor or being given the chance to, because they're not your neighbor. Um, so, all right. So I'm getting off track. Yeah. Back to, back to traditional house hacking. Let's talk about traditional house hacking and let's talk about some downsides. Um, another downside is it is a commitment. I mean, you're buying a house. It's a uh, commitment. You're right. Some people don't want to own a house. They want to rent and, um, it is a commitment. You are responsible for repairs. There's no landlord to call or property property manager. Um, so you have to answer it too in the morning. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And a mortgage is a a big responsibility. So, you know, as home buying is not for everyone, obviously house hacking is definitely not for everyone either. And some people don't want to share their space. So some people don't want someone, which, you know, this is also fascinating for, uh, and for what I keep seeing in the micro world movement, we are looking for intentional community and we are looking for ways to connect. So I guess if you are that person who likes your space and liked your quiet time, probably house hacking, you know, having an accessory dwelling unit or sharing space is probably not for you. I would agree. Yeah. I mean, there, there are definitely people who don't want people living in their backyard right. don't want the responsibility of, of a tenant. Um, and so, yeah, it's not, not the best solution for everyone. I think also too, um, well, before I get into that, all right, any more downsides or any I more, think that's I think we've covered kind of the big ones. I think also too, for house hacking. So, all right, let's talk about, um, some of the people. So I know with the tiny house movement and a number other of the micro hood ex, uh, ADU talk, you know, we're talking about generational housing. We're talking about, uh, basically creating that, f- uh, family community. Um, have you experienced or known families add on the accessory dwelling unit for mother-in-laws, like the mother-in-law suite or the granny flats? And yeah. I hate calling them that, but that's what they are. Like they yeah. are giving space to someone that is very near and dear to the family. And instead of them living far away, they live you know, in yep. their backyard or in their alley or something like that. Yeah, that's definitely common, especially in Grant Park and older neighborhoods where it's allowed to add on accessory dwelling units if they don't already exist. Uh, uh, people see the value they add. And um, I have a friend who lives around the corner who just um, listed their house for sale that has an accessory dwelling unit that was built for a mother-in-law, for a grandma, you know, the grandma. I just think, you know, I know you know, we, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a tangent of, you know, we define success as your own house, your own garage, your own cars, picket white fence, you know, doing your own thing. But, you know, you look at other cultures around the world and not that they're perfect, 
not that we're perfect either, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with our culture, but like there is this sense of a little bit more family or maybe just having them closer. We're almost like a the, the push the bird out of the nest and go and right. start your own nest instead of allowing them to live there. And I know the whole joke with millennials never wanting to leave the house and things like that, but I think there's something to say when you invite your mom or you invite yeah. a family member to coexist with you. And, um, and, and I feel like also with this tiny house movement and the number of the micro developments that I've studied and, and like look through, people are looking for that ability to knock on someone's door and just ask for a cup of sugar right. or just ask, you know, they just want a conversation, you know, they right. have not interacted with someone today. So, and I think that's the rise in popularity in a lot of in town neighborhoods where the houses were built for more community. Uh, you know, like the example of Grant Park again, but also Inman Park, uh, Reynolds Town, Cabbage Town, the houses were built closer to the street. So you engage your neighbors, you sit on your front porch. And then if you wanted privacy, you went to your backyard, which were, you know, traditionally right. large. Um, and if you look at a lot of the new construction, especially like in the suburbs and things, that wasn't the case. People, there aren't even sidewalks in a lot of neighborhoods, even in, in Buckhead and Brookhaven, there aren't sidewalks. So it's a lot harder to engage um, with your neighbors. So I think, um, you know, you talk about that. Yes. The, I think design and landscape and, um, layout is crucial also for this accessory dwelling unit. I mean, I, I noticed yours, like you folks have a clear path that separates you from them. So there are ways to give them privacy yeah. as well as your privacy, but still know that, I mean, I'm looking out your window right now and I see it like right. they can see into your kitchen. <laughs> I mean, that is a, that, that is a, you know, I guess a yeah. sense of trust as well as, you know, a sense of shared, definite shared space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't have to walk through our house to get to their house, but they, they walk around the, the back of it and, um, they're there. So yeah, it is, but it's also great. You know, if we need help with anything, if they, they need help with right. anything, we're, it's, it it's is, that, does build community that community twist that people are still looking and for. And also like to your point about the family thing, I think a lot of people now, especially have moved away from family and therefore are looking to create that family dynamic in new cities. So they're engaging with people and you know, a lot of people have friends giving and these types of things where right. they're traditional family, um, you know, it's, it's, it's harder. Morphed. It's, it's you know, harder to, it's not as accessible anymore. If your family's uh, far away, I've always had friends like just because they're blood doesn't mean they're family. <laughs> you know, I just laughed at that all the time. Okay. So we've talked a lot about who you are, house hacking, kind of the, the, the similarities of the micro movement, tiny house movement and house hacking and being a, a real estate investor. So if someone is interested in house hacking, you know, whether other, uh, either way of, you know, wanting to build generational housing, adding on accessory dwelling in it, income, mm -hmm. how, how do I start? Well, I think the first thing you should do is an engage uh, a real estate agent or realtor. Um, and then I always tell my clients, the first step is to get pre-approved for a loan. So understand what you can actually afford right. uh, and then start looking. And if you're, if you're sure you want to dip your toe into the, the traditional house hacking, be it a duplex, a triplex, start searching on um, Zillow and those type of websites for multifamily housing. Um, your agent can also help you set you up with auto searches where they'll provide you information as things come available. Mm -hmm. Um, and then do some research around, uh, if you Google house hacking, there are lots of resources out there now and then start looking at, at properties. 
So if someone wanting to get in touch with you yes. about house hacking and investment properties, how do they go about doing that? You can shoot me an email. Um, I'm sure you will link to my yep. contact information on your website and I'll be happy to, to talk with you more. Awesome. Well, everyone, this has been Anna Calloway of, uh, what is your, do you have a real estate name? Yeah, I, I work for a broker. I work for Keller Knapp Realty. Wonderful. <laughs> and um, if you want to get started on your house hacking adventure, please reach out to her. Um, her link and email will be um, just below this podcast on the website. And again, if you want to understand where you live and what you can do in the city of Atlanta, go to tinyhouseatlanta.com and check under resources, zoning and codes and educate yourself about what you can do and get started, folks. So, Anna, we had a great conversation about house hacking, how it relates to the tiny house movement, and how people get started in their venture into house hacking. But if they want to talk to you about what to do next, how do they do that? Uh, as you mentioned, I'm a licensed real estate agent with Keller Knapp. You can shoot me an email at Anna Calloway Real Estate at gmail.com, and Will will link to that from his uh, website. And that's Calloway with all A C A L L A W A Y. No O's. People always want to put an O in it. Oh, those pesky O's. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today. And uh, folks, if you have any questions for Anna, go ahead and feel free to shoot her an email at the link below this podcast. Until next time, I'm Will Johnston with the Microlife Institute. And everyone, stay tiny.